Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Not Defined by Endo with me, Teniola. I have been on a mission, a mission to find and amplify the voices of amazing people who have founded health-focused businesses, services, or not-for-profit organizations. These people are working really hard to make a positive difference in the lives of people battling different kinds of health issues or those just wanting to make better decisions regarding their health. Why am I doing this? Well, I'll tell you why. Living with illness is so difficult. Sometimes, no, most times, it consumes and overwhelms us. It takes over our lives until we feel like there is nothing left to enjoy. So I decided that this season of the podcast would focus on people doing something good for health. Many of these founders discovered strength from their own personal lives and stories and are making such a great impact. I wanted to speak to them, understand their motivations and get excited by what they have to offer. So join me on this journey and let's meet these inspirational people together. Today's episode is with Dr. Alison Shrikandi, a board-certified physical medicine and rehabilitation specialist and the chief medical officer of pelvic rehabilitation medicine. Alison is a leading expert on pelvic health who works with expert gynecologists, urologists, physiatrists and interventional pain physicians and also specialists in pelvic floor physical therapy, kinetics and movement as well as acupuncturists, nutritionists, cognitive behavioural therapists and functional medicine physicians. This means that even with an extensive background in mainstream clinical medicine, she also makes use of many alternatives, holistic and homeopathic approaches. Join the conversation today as Teniola gets to know Alison and how she's helping women and men with pelvic pain who often suffer without anyone willing to listen, understand or find the cause of their pain. Hello and welcome Alison to the show today. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Teniola. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes, same. And um, it's so great to see what you're doing and I'm excited to share what you do with um, the audience today and have them understand, you know, the amazing and important work that you're doing for women's health. So can I start by asking you what I usually ask my guests? <laughs> um, tell us a bit about yourself and, you know, your motivations for founding or starting pelvic re rehabilitation medicine. Sure. So I am a uh, physiatrist, so a physical medicine rehabilitation doctor. So essentially, I was in my last year of residency training and pregnant with my first child and had a lot of issues during pregnancy with my pubic symphysis pain, just pelvic pain, sacroiliac joint pain, radiating to the, to the buttocks. So I had a pelvic pain during pregnancy and then had a long kind of prolonged labor I needed uh, suction, forceps, and episiotomy, and then did have postpartum uh, pelvic pain. So postpartum pain with intercourse, urinary urgency, frequency, a sensation of a UTI, um, some bowel issues, uh, constipation, and then some pain with bowel movement. So the classic patients we would see are all the symptoms I had postpartum. <laughs> and so I went to, for my six-week checkup, fine, that's still early, everything was great. 
But then I went back to my OBGYN uh, at about three months and it was st all still persisting. And I thought, oh, I don't think this should all still be happening here. You know? And you know, the workup was normal, transvaginal ultrasound exam, all normal. So at that point just offered some Percocet for my pain and discomfort and sent me on my way. And you know, that's why I've started to realize there has to be something else going on. And as a physiatrist, it was, that's what we, we do. Peripheral nerves. We do the muscles, the joints. So I, we just had never learned about the pelvic floor before. I mean, it was, a, we couldn't see those muscles and no one ever talked about them. Yeah. Maybe, you know, brief, briefly in medical school. And that was, that's really it. So I, I myself didn't know. So then I became curious and um, found a, a wonderful pelvic floor physical therapist who really helped me and, and really got me completely interested in the world of kind of the pelvic floor and the pelvic muscles and nerves and pelvic pain from the rehab standpoint. So that's where I got into it. And um, yeah, I was trying, and then I try to really create something which we do right now in outpatient protocol, comprehensive outpatient protocol, really, because I was trying to create something for myself, I needed some help. And so I was, you know, for, for reasons that I really wanted to feel better myself. So that's really where it came from. Wow, that's amazing. And this is, I feel like this is so common in a way with many of us, women especially. Well, I know about women, so I'll speak on that. Is that many of us, when we experience something, we don't just you know, look for the solution. We realize that, oh, wait a minute, a lot of people are going through the same thing. And then we come up with some kind of solution or awareness or education. And it's really great to see that, to see that your personal story you know, in motivated you to, you know, starting this, this amazing service for women. So thank you for that. So let's talk a bit more about your mission at pelvic rehabilitation medicine. I know that you, you, like you said, a lot of us don't know a lot about our pelvic floor, what exactly is going on there. We don't even, we can't even, some of us can't even mention the different parts of our body, bodies actually. Um, <laughs> So can you tell us a bit about your mission and what exactly you want, um, you try to do for your patients? And I also noticed something where on your website, you say you treat the patients as a whole person. So how would you say this is different from how, you know, other people treat their patients? Yeah, sure. So at Pelvic Rehabilitation Medicine, our mission is to treat uh, women and men with chronic pelvic pain syndrome and pelvic floor muscle dysfunction. Um, and we really are, are trying to kind of serve this community of patients who have really been underdiagnosed, undertreated, uh, tossed around the system uh, and ignored. And um, so that is really our, our mission is to serve these patients and, and in, in a holistic way, in a rehab approach way. So for us as rehabilitation doctors, you know, that holistic approach is just comes naturally. It's not a train. It's just how from day one, when we show up in residency, how we're trained to look at things. Um, so conceptually, how it's different is, you know, uh, we're not really trained in, in one organ system specifically as, as doctors. We're trained to really look at the interplay of the different organ systems with each other, as well as the interplay of the different organ systems with the nervous system, so the central and the peripheral nervous system, and with the myofascial system. So that's kind of how we look at it as a whole. We're really trying to put the whole picture together. Um, that's medically how we look at patients as a whole. And then also we take, you know, this biopsychosocial approach classically in rehab and at pelvic rehabilitation medicine. 
and really paying attention to the connection with the mind and the body, right? Um, how is um, stress and lack of sleep affecting our quality of life and pain? Um, so we really take that, you know, that approach in terms of also looking at lifestyle uh, modification. So we really are into looking at a patient's you know, how are you sitting all day at work? Are you biking often? You know, um, are, you know, how are you stressed all day and clenching at work? So when I say looking at patients as a whole, it's really taking not only their the medical part we do as a whole, but we also look at the biopsychosocial approach and look at them beyond just that one body part that could be affecting their pelvis, which is the core of your body, right? So uh, it's, it's a very intricate uh, and uh, complicated area of the body. Wow, that's great. So that is actually a good um, segue or whatever into my next question. And you were saying earlier how, um, you know, you look at the person as a whole, um, as, as your patient as a whole person and all that. Now, I want to go into endometriosis because most of our audience have endometriosis. And, you know, you could argue that, you know, endometriosis is when you have cells that are similar to those within the lining of the womb being found in other places like in your pelvis. But you would say, why would this, you know, call pelvic, cause pelvic pain and all that? So can we talk about why many of our endometriosis patients would need pelvic therapy? Like, how does this work? And what is what has compromised their bodies or their pelvic, you know, system that would require them, many of them to have pelvic therapy, just to give us a bit more understanding about how, what the relationship and the interplay here is? A hundred percent. Yeah, so really at pelvic rehabilitation medicine, we really are on the front lines of endometriosis. Um, because what we see, the symptoms we see and treat are very common in endometriosis. Uh, so, you know, we see um, bowel bladder intercourse, right? So we see, you know, discomfort and pain during intercourse is very common or post-intercourse soreness yeah. uh, or pain during um, speculum exams or tampon insertion is very common in, in our patient population. Um, and we see a lot of bladder issues with the urinary urgency frequency, and you know they have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and sometimes that burning um, or lower abdominal pain, discomfort, right? Even bladder pain, feeling when their bladder fills, there's pain. Then we see a lot of bowel issues, constipation, pain with bowel movement, straining on the toilet. Um, so these are all things that are very common in the world of endometriosis too. So the symptoms we see and treat are the symptoms of endo. So we really um, are on the front lines. And in the data says, you know, with pelvic pain, with chronic pelvic pain patients, uh, 70%, you know, there is endometriosis. So um, we, we see a lot of it given the prevalence and of the disease process. It's, you know, it's one in nine or one in 10, depending on what study you read. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, it is near and dear to our heart and in the, is really near and dear to the mission of pelvic rehabilitation is really just, you know, caring for endometriosis patients. Um, so how, you know, how is it connected? How are those symptoms I just described connected? Um, a couple reasons. Um, well, number one, endometriosis itself, right? It can directly invade the pelvic nerves. So that is an option. So when it invades the pelvic nerves, the, you know, the different nerves of the pelvis, it causes those symptoms, right? Because those those symptoms are what it would present with with pain, and then the bowel, bladder, and, and intercourse issues. 
Yeah. Um, that's not in the, another way. Endometriosis with when it's there in your body, quite often the pelvic floor muscles go into this chronic guarding state where they, they really clamp down, right? They become, we call it short, spastic, and actually weaker. So they're not actually supporting our organs as well as we would like them to. Um, and when that happens, you can get, first of all, pain in the muscles, but then when they clamp down, they squeeze the nerves. So then the nerves over time just don't have the space in the blood flow and they get inflamed as well. Yes. So that's why endometriosis can cause not only muscle pain, but all these, this nerve pain. Um, and then lastly, there's a third reason, endometriosis is a pro-inflammatory state, right? So it stimulates the release of these, what we call pro-inflammatory cytokines yeah. um, that cause this inflammatory soup around the nerves. So there's multiple reasons endometriosis patients can come to our office with, you know, lower abdominal pelvic pain, um, sometimes cyclical, sometimes not. That's why it can be challenging. Um, you know, you're taught in medical school and residency that it's always cyclical, but it's not always. Um, so it, it can be challenging, but they quite often do have bladder bowel intercourse issues, which is why um, that's what we do. That's the, we are treating the muscle nerve dysfunction um, that, that goes along with endo. So we're chilling out the nervous system, both peripherally and centrally. We're releasing that spasm with what we do. So that's how we kind of work with endometriosis patients. Okay. Can you say a bit more about that protocol just to, so I have been to a pelvic therapist before and I guess what it included me speaking, sharing my, you know, my symptoms and how frequent they were and all of that. And then she, you know, she did some ex um, internal examination and then she sent, she showed me some exercises I could do. Um, but you know, in, I'm in the UK and it's quite expensive to, um, do it privately. So it wasn't on the NHS. So, um, I think I went for a few sessions, but I would like to know what protocols you actually employ. So some people say, have told me that they were told to use TENS machines, even internally and all sorts, but how would you say in pelvic rehabilitation medicine, you, what kind of protocol do you use for these patients? Um, well, see, it's different. So yeah, so you went to see a pelvic floor physical therapist or a physiotherapist, as you call it. Right? You can yeah. Call it. yeah, so uh, we are not that. So we, we are actually MDs and DOs. So we're, we're doctors, medical doctors, um, who then we work closely, though, with physical therapists, with pelvic floor physical therapists to get right. our patients better together. So yeah. our, we believe in that team approach, that multidisciplinary, multimodal approach, which is always best for these patients, just That's to clarify. So, so we're not gynecologists, as you probably, but we're kind of, we're, um, sport, I guess, almost like sports medicine doctors, but it's, it, it, that's what we are. So we are, we are MDs and DOs. So our approach is a bit different than a, a physical therapist would be. Um, so we're doing a standard, you know, a lot of what we're doing is trying, when we first meet patients, if they don't, you know, have an underlying diagnostic diagnosis, we do try, we, that's what we're doing. We're trying to find the primary pain generators that got patients to this pelvic pain state. Um, so we do, you know, a neuromuscular exam, looking for any sensory motor deficits, looking at the lumbar sacral spine, thoracal lumbar sacral spine, looking at the abdomen for any potential hernias, diastasis recti, um, any uh, tenderness along the abdominal nerves. Then we'll also look at the hips, really important, um, as well as we'll do an internal exam of the vaginal and, and, and 
rectal exam to look at the muscles and, and the nerves. So looking at tone, looking at strength, things like that. So then we make a plan based on the history, which is a detailed history um, and exam. And we try to pinpoint how this patient got here, you know, and for en endometriosis is common. And then is there anything else? Maybe potential endometriosis, but then there is some anxiety that we want to address and try to help release that pelvic floor, stop that subconscious clenching. Um, and then we talk a lot about nutrition, diet, sleep, um, and exercise as well with our patients. So that's more the, the workup. Um, in terms of treatment, yeah, we work, so classically what we're doing for to treat the underlying nerve and muscle dysfunction that almost always comes with endo, right? That's part of the yeah. process. The sensitization with endo is just part of it. Yeah. So what we do is we, um, for, we work with pelvic floor physical therapy. They'll do some internal vaginal rectal release, external work as well, um, down training classically, visceral mobilization, skin rolling, lots of things to desensitize the central nervous system and open up that pelvic floor muscle. That's clamped, the muscles that are clamped down. Um, and then we work with them. We do external ultrasound guided peripheral nerve blocks with concomitant uh, trigger point injections. Okay. Uh, once a week for six weeks, really pretty subtle. People go, you know, you see us in the morning, you're at your, at 8.30 or your 9.30 work appointment. You know, there's no downtime, no anesthesia. It's outpatient appointment um, where we're just subtly kind of treating that nerve dysfunction, repetitively desensitizing these hyperactive nerves, decreasing the inflammation around these peripheral nerves and resetting that, that muscle that's clamped down. We're trying to open it up and create more space in the pelvic musculature um, with PT. So it really works well together. You see us, they see them, and that's, it's, it's a great way to do it. And we target the peripheral nerves that are involved in the patient's exam based on how their symptoms and, and exam really. Um, so that's kind of what we do. And then we use a lot of suppositories during it. Uh, this is all kind of a short-term, basically three-month protocol. You're seeing us for six weeks with PT and then six weeks you're not seeing us and then you come back and then that's when it all kind of comes together. Um, but we do use suppositories with some muscle relaxers in it, Valium and Baclofen sometimes together. Sometimes we'll, we'll put, um, uh, nerve modulators in the suppository, such as amitriptyline or gabapentin, we can do that if patients uh, don't want it oral. Or sometimes we also use the muscle relaxer suppositories with an oral nerve med um, to, if they need it. Depending on the chronicity of the pain, uh, it, it's how much we have to do, honestly. If we get them, if we get patients early, our job's a lot easier because that whole sensitization process has not become their new normal in their nervous system, right? Yeah. So it's a bit easier to kind of rehab, like reset and retrain the muscle nerve dysfunction if, if we get them, if we get patients sooner. So that's why raising awareness, A, that we even exist and we can help patients with this um, and just about the process in general is, is important. So that, that's, that's what we do. Okay. I literally really enjoyed you going through the entire process because I feel like even I and many women, we don't really understand. So we just say, we just hear, you know, pelvic therapy might be helpful. And then we look, we go online and start looking for a pelvic therapist. But I think hearing, you know, what your entire protocol is quite exciting for whoever is interested, because I feel like it's really informed and really like integrative. And um, there, there are lots of steps. And I think people, patients will benefit from this. So thank you very much for all the work you're doing. Thank you. I want to talk a bit more about interstitial cystitis. 
And this is because many say it's the evil twin of endometriosis. A lot of women, first of all, one of the symptoms of endometriosis is pain during urination. But how do you know that you also have interstitial cystitis? Do most of us actually have it as well? How do you know that you don't simply have a UTI? Like, I feel like bladder pain or, you know, pain during urination is quite confusing because you don't know 100% if there's another condition or a comorbidity. So can we talk a bit more about IC and what exactly it is and how is it different from or worse than having a simple UTI and, you know, how was the process of treating that one? You know, that's an excellent question. I completely agree. For the, it is very confusing with bladder pain. Um, so yeah, to answer your first question. So for a diagnosis technically of interstitial cystitis, you, you would need someone to kind of put a camera in your bladder and, you, and, and diagnose it for, they're looking for certain kind of red lesions that are there. Right. Um, so that's the only way to get a really diagnosis of IC. Um, technically, if you have symptoms of IC, very common in endo. I, I don't, rarely do I see an endo patient with, without bladder symptoms. It's more common than not. So they, they do come together. Um, but if, but if you feel like, you know, your endo has been treated, your post-op and you're having these sensations, then I would, you do want to get a urine analysis and culture to rule out a UTI because it could be. So if it's normal, then, you know, it's not an infection, right? So it's, and then it's probably nerve related, right? So the nerves in general, as we were just discussing, it all kind of comes in together. What I was just saying with those sensitization of these peripheral nerves, this nerve inflammation, this neurogenic inflammation, which is what we treat at PRM that till it out, yeah. um, that can upregulate the bladder, right? Because those nerves go to the bladder it can make you feel that nerve pain, and it, which is kind of like that burning. Um, and it can make you feel like you have to pee a lot. Um, so that can contribute the, the nerve dysfunction um, that comes along with endo, right? Um, as well as the muscle dysfunction, when the muscles are in spasm and your bladder neck is sitting right on that spastic muscle, it's good. It's not going to fully urinate out all the way. And it's also, you're going to have to pee a lot. So that, that contributes to dysfunction with urination and the sensation to have to pee. So those two definitely contribute. Um, and we call sometimes in the medical literature, they call it now bladder pain syndrome. That's when they did this, the, you know, some patients went under the, the scope. So to put a camera, you're all just put a camera on your bladder, looked perfect, completely normal. So it's not going to be IC, but you still have all those symptoms of IC, right? Mm. You feel like you have to pee a lot and burning and all the symptoms of that, that IC can present with, of course, on the spectrum, depending on, on the severity. So then bladder pain syndrome came about in the nomenclature. So that is kind of how we look at it. And bladder pain syndrome, the, the underlying concept is it's that muscle nerve dysfunction. So we see a lot of it and we treat that muscle nerve dysfunction. And we see with, with endo and no one really knows why. I mean, there's multiple theories. One is that whole cross sensitization that happens in the pelvis. It's a complicated area, right? So yeah. the, the different organs can talk to one another and the organs can talk to the muscles and the tissue and the nerves. So it's, there's a lot going on in the pelvis, but that is one concept that maybe that's why when the patients have endometriosis, that the bladder can also get kind of upregulated and inflamed because of that cross sensitization that can happen in the pelvis. Yeah. Um, so, so there is kind of, there is a lot there, but classically, you know, if you feel 
an acute sensation of a UTI, like acute on, uh, you know, sudden onset of burning with urination, you should have ruled out that it's not an infection yeah. first. And then if, the, if, if it's not, then, you know, most commonly it's these nerve muscle dysfunction. So pelvic floor PT and physiatry, pelvic floor rehabilitation medicine, then we can help you. Okay. Amazing. Thank you for that. So we've talked, I know we've talked a lot about having endometriosis and its um, relationship with pelvic pain, but are there other female conditions? So I know that there are also others that could cause or be related to pelvic pain. Are that just in case someone else is listening who doesn't have endometriosis, but might have other conditions. Are there other female conditions that would require pelvic therapy? I guess maybe giving birth is something that would require, but I know that's not a condition. That's just the fact of life. But are there other um, health conditions to be aware of and think about your pelvic health if you have them? Yes. I mean, other things under the women's health gynecological are adenomyosis. We see quite a bit of adeno, right? Um, as well as fibroids. A very, fibroids really just depends on the size and the location, but if a large fibroid um, can really put a lot of pressure on the pelvis mm. and you, your muscles can go into this chronic guarding state and your nerves then get irritated as well. So we see fibroids. Um, we see some PCOS as well. And that's the PCOS, we don't know if it's more of a hormonal component to why you're, you're going to this chronic guarding state, or there's a strong correlation between having PCOS and endo, as we know. So potentially PCOS patients are really endo patients that we just, no one ever got a diet. You know, a lot of patients never get a diagnosis. So yeah. um, that may be the reason as well, but we do see quite a bit of PCOS. Um, and then pelvic history of pelvic inflammatory disease, right? If you have a history of PID, that can cause some scarring in, in some areas. So that can cause some pelvic pain. And what else? We see a lot postpartum for sure. That's why I love when we get patients who are, who are from Europe or from the UK. Yeah. Um, they're great because they're just so much more aware of their pelvic floor and the need to rehab it after after having a baby. It's yeah. so, it's great. I love it. I love seeing it. Sometimes they're just, they're all over it. They, they are ready to rehab their pelvis and get it back to where it needs to be. And that's really what happens. You, you just have to put in, put in the time. So we see a lot of postpartum as well. Um, and then just any, you know, athletes, sometimes we see a lot of musculoskeletal, hip hernia, a lot of athletes with the repetitive mycotrauma to the pelvis, some bikers, dancers, um yeah so really the pelvis it's hard to it's hard not to put it's a chat you know it's right in the core so mm. you know it, it takes a lot it, uh, it it's a it holds a lot of uh, importance in terms of support and the pressure that's going throughout your body as you do anything really yeah that's true wow interesting <laughs> so we've talked a lot about you know the treatments endometriosis and we know that uh We've been talking about integrative, holistic, and all that. Do you have any advice regarding how we can manage the pain? So aside from, you know, going for pelvic um, rehabilitation, are there things that we can do as, you know, women with the, any of these conditions, not necessarily just endometriosis, and how we can improve our pelvic health? Yes, I mean, I think a couple things. I think restorative yoga in general is excellent for the pelvis. The concept of really teaching us to open up our pelvic floor and then get that lift back in. And it, so I think restorative yoga is one of the best things we all can do for our pelvis. Um, something called Your Pace Yoga by Dusty Ann Miller 
as a lot of different pelvic pain specific yoga programs. If, you, if you're looking for something more specific, pelvic pain for endometriosis, uh, uh, yoga for endo, um, that is excellent. So I say that whenever we kind of, you know, after we finish our program, right, and we get and patients are feeling better, first of all, we congratulate them because it's, it is a lot of work on the patient's part and we're just so grateful they were willing to do it. Yeah. Um, and then we usually give out the yoga program because that's the best I've seen um, to doing everything I need, I would like you to do. You know, clearly we need the breathing. The breathing is really important for so many reasons. It's the mechanical reason of forcing that diaphragm to work with the pelvic floor and push it out, but also resetting with, with the vagus nerve, resetting the sympathetics, right? The parasympathetic sympathetics yeah. and calming down the central nervous system and any sympathetic response. Um, as well as the yoga does strengthening around the hip abductors to really help the pelvic floor. So it's not doing everything. We need those hip abductors firing. And also those deep core muscles of the, of the spine are important to get firing, the multifidi, long dismiss ones that they need to support the spine. So it all needs, it's a box. It all needs to work together. Uh, so that's why the yoga, rather than asking patients to do 10 different things, yeah. that seems to be the most encompassing way to get it all done. Um, one caveat is if you have some sort of, we call hypermobility or ligamentous laxity for patients, which is common in pelvic pain in our patient population, um, then we ask more of a Pilates program instead of yoga. So what's hypermobility, just to be clear? So it's, it's just like loosey-goosey ligaments when you have ligaments, super flexible ligaments, oh. but hyper-flexible. Right. Um, yeah. So that can, when patients are hyperflexible, sometimes their pelvic floor is in constant guarding mode to stabilize wow. their, yeah. So we see a lot of it in endo, we see endo and hypermobility because there can be some, they're both potentially autoimmune. So we do see it in our endo population as well. Interesting. That's why it's important to, as much as <laughs> we go online and just go on YouTube and try and find, you know, videos, but sometimes you need someone who knows what they're talking about to really give you the right advice because while I know that in you know the endo community a lot of people don't like hearing just go do yoga because they feel like it's <laughs> it's almost like saying it's as simple as yoga oh my gosh no it is not yeah no of course yeah, yeah. So there's that but then there's the other one where people actually believe that you can just do yoga for some of you know for you know to get some of the benefits but what you just said is quite interesting because i don't know if everyone would know if they have hypermobility and if they don't then i guess like you were saying yoga might not be the best thing for them pilates might be the better thing for them so yeah it's just interesting and i'm enjoying being educated about all these things and i hope that people listening also learn and um you know can help and improve their pelvic health somehow so yeah and i think i think also with pelvic health nutrition is very important um overall you know Technically, you know, low sugar diet, lots of water, staying hydrated, which is counterintuitive because a lot of times with, when you have pelvic dysfunction, you're urinating a lot, but lo staying with lots of water um, as well as, you know, anti-inflammatory diet, low sugar diet, it, it really can affect kind of your pelvic health. So, the, so there is a nutrition component to your pelvis as well. Wow, I love hearing that. So I've spoken to people, nutritional um, nutritionists and they obviously we especially in the end of world once again we talk about having taking um eating non-inflammatory anti-inflammatory foods and mm -hmm. you know taking lo not 
taking a lot of sugar and all that which is great um but you know i never ever connected it to your pelvic health as well so this is good to know and this is why adding all of these elements usually help because it just means that you're doing different little things that all come together and make a difference in your health so that's amazing yeah no and i think for when i think of health and wellness and and when, the way we approach patients at pelvic rehabilitation medicine is we talk a lot about function in our world. So it's, you know, we talk a lot about sleep as really important for wellness. So a lot of, you know, focus on a patient's ability to fall asleep and stay asleep yeah. uh, for so many reasons, the pain, the bladder, the anxiety, lots of things can, yeah. can that. So, so that I think is really important um, is sleep. And then also we talk a lot other than bowel bladder intercourse, we talk a lot about exercise because we like to keep our patients moving because that's what we are. We're musculoskeletal rehab docs. So yeah. we like to keep our patients moving and, and really in whatever they like to do. Because if you tell someone to go do yoga and they hate it, they'll never do it. So a lot of it's just talking to the patient and saying, what do you want to do to stay active? And then, you know, making a tailoring a plan to keep them active in a way that, you know, keeps them happy, but is also, um, you know, safe. Yeah, true. Thank you so much, Alison. This has been amazing and I enjoyed this conversation. So if anyone is interested in, you know, pelvic rehabilitation, like I am, because I'm so far away in the UK, <laughs> where, how would you say they should, they can reach you, reach your practice? So it's www.pelvicrehabilitation.com and you'll see our locations uh, throughout the United States and our contact information there. Okay. And any last or final advice for women, regardless of what condition they're experiencing and, you know, how can they improve their health? The best advice right now is try, if you are experiencing any discomfort or pain or pain with intercourse or pain with your period that you feel is abnormal, please speak up and, and be your best advocate until somebody listens. Cause there are, there are treatments out there. Um, so there are people that can help you. You just kind of have to keep looking. Yeah. Thank you so much. That is one of the things I love saying as well. I feel like I've said it over and over again. I'm always like, go, you know, arm yourself with knowledge and be your own advocate. Like always speak up for yourself. So thank you. That is an amazing piece of advice. And we really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much for coming, Alison. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, let us know on Instagram and Facebook. You can also join our community on Health Unlocked and ask any questions or share your stories. Don't forget to share, rate and subscribe to this podcast. If you also have any questions to ask or topics you would like to be discussed, feel free to send an email to info at notdefinedbyendo.com. Till next time, remember, you are not defined by endo.